0: wonderful to see you here this morning. Take your Bibles. Join me, please. John chapter 14. We return to our series through the gospel according to John. John chapter 14. I want to begin this morning by reading verses 1 through 11. The Bible says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go you know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And if ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you I speak not of myself, But the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the very work's sake. So last time we considered verses 1 through 3, where the main emphasis was no matter what direction this world takes, we don't have to be troubled. Amen. The Lord has gone to prepare a place for us, We have a better home awaiting. He's coming one day that we might be with Him. And one day the Lord's going to come back and He's going to straighten this whole mess out. (laughs) And it's the presence of the Lord which makes heaven glorious. Where I am, there you may be also. Salvation is a person, it's not a place. The place will be wonderful, but even if we didn't have the description of the place in the revelation, it would still be out of this world because we're going to be with Christ. Well, we covered more than that, but that's going to have to suffice as a recap for now. As Jesus explains, He is going to prepare a place for those who believe in Him and that He is coming back to receive us to Himself. He says in verse 4, And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Jesus has spent... Three and a half years with these men. We are now in the context of the final night. Christ is going to be portrayed this night. And for three and a half years, He's walked with them. He's taught them. He's, he's been there trying to get them to understand. He made it clear who He had come from, what He had come to accomplish to do, what would happen after He accomplished that, and then where He was heading back to. He never hid that. The Bible says in Matthew 16, 21, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. He kept preaching it. he kept teaching them. He wasn't hiding it from them. It was out there in the open to grasp this truth. And if you keep following through Matthew's account, You'll find in Matthew 17, verses 22 and 23, And while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And the third day he shall be raised again. And they were exceeding sorry. And then in Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 through 19, And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priest and unto the scribes. And they shall condemn Him to death and shall deliver Him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify Him. And the third day He shall rise again. And then finally there in Matthew 26 two, which is parallel with where we're at. It says, You know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. And yet, here's the disciples confused after three and a half years on what's going to take place. He's made it clear. He hasn't hid it. We'll see later on in this particular discourse in John, Jesus is going to mention again before He's crucified that He'll rise again and that He's departing to go to the Father. He's he's telling them over and over again what's going to happen because Jesus just wants them to understand. In Luke chapter 9, verses 44 and 45... Listen to what Christ said. Let these sayings sink down into your ears. Let them sink in. Get what I'm telling you. For the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. But they understood not this saying. And it was hid from them that they perceived it not. And they feared to ask Him of that saying. So why was the truth hidden from them? Jesus was declaring it plainly. He was declaring it openly. He wasn't hiding anything, and yet they couldn't perceive it. They couldn't understand what was the problem. Why were they not getting the message? Well, the next verse in Luke chapter 9 says, Then there arose a reasoning among them, which of them should be greatest. Jesus here is saying, look, I'm going to die. Let it sink down. They're going to kill me and and, of course, we know he laid down his life, but he used the term. And, and he says, I'm going to rise again. And 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 they're over there going, boy, I wonder which one of us is going to be the greatest. You see, the reason why they weren't perceiving it is because their minds were on something else. They had a different idea of what the Messiah would be. They thought he was going to come here to accomplish running out the Gentiles, reestablishing the kingdom of Israel, sitting upon a throne here on this earth, and they thought, man, that's what Jesus came to do. Jesus was trying to give them truth, but they were more concerned about which one of us is going to be next to Him. Isn't that amazing? They're talking about how close they want to be, how great they want to be, and yet they're leaving out the most important piece. All I'm establishing right here Is that Jesus clearly gave truth. He was desirous that his disciples would understand. And aren't you glad this morning that Jesus isn't trying to hide truth from us? It's not some sneaky thing. It's actually right here. It's all you need to know. And he's not hiding it from us. He wants us to know it. But what's limiting us many times is our own perceived preconceived idea of who we think God is or of what we believe God should be and a lot of times you hear people say things like well I know God doesn't like me what? He died for you but people come to these irrational conclusions because they have a preconceived idea of what they think God is doing and who he is and what he should be and, and, and we miss it well you know I just think God should treat me better friend, it's better than we deserve. Even though Jesus speaks plainly, His disciples still didn't understand completely. And it was interesting to me as I was studying to think about the approach of these three, three of these first disciples here. Just a few verses earlier in chapter 13, we find Peter and he says, Whither I go, or excuse me, uh, Jesus told Peter, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards, because Peter's wanting to go. Jesus says, You can't, but you're going to follow me one day. And then Peter, he replied back, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Here, we find Thomas in verse 5 asking, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we Know the way. Well, what's interesting about that is Jesus just told him, you know the way. And in verse 8, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. So Peter's over here saying, Lord, I may not understand where you're going, and I may not understand why I am unable to follow thee now, but I will lay down my life for you. And here's Thomas saying, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And then Philip, Lord, if you'd show us the Father, it'd be sufficient. And we see how kind our Lord is with these men to be so patient. Three and a half years later, still answering their questions that they really should know by now. I mean, he's been as clear as he can be. They really should have understood it. But the Lord here is he's still working with them. He's compassionate, amen? He understands. And here's one thing I want you to understand this morning. God really just wants us to grow in our knowledge of him. That's why he's not hiding it. It's not some mystery, but it's right here for us. And he just wants us to know him better. And for me, that's a comfort to know as I grow in my relationship with the Lord, that he wants to show himself real He wants to show himself strong on my behalf. He wants me to know him better and more intimately. But it is me who gets in the way. And after three and a half years, here's Jesus with a zealous Peter, a doubting Thomas, and a pragmatic Philip. And he's still dealing with each of them, and he's teaching them. He doesn't say, Peter, I am so tired of your empty words. He doesn't say, Thomas, why can't you get this figured out? He doesn't say to Philip, Philip, you got to be kidding me. (laughs) Jesus knows how much pressure to apply in every situation. There were times our Lord was more tender than He was firm. There were times He was more firm than He was tender. He knows what kind of instruction we need at the time that we need it. We aren't always successful in how we do things, but we ought to try to be discerning. For the most part, I think Jesus was very patient and kind as he taught his disciples. But there were times he had to be more aggressive. In Matthew chapter 16, Peter answered when Jesus asked, Who do men say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says to Peter, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And right after that conversation... Jesus says, it says there in that Bible that he began to show his disciples how he would suffer many things, be killed, and be raised the third day. And right after Jesus says, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, Peter says, be it far from thee, Lord. He's rebuking Christ. Be it far from thee, Lord. This shall not be unto thee. But then what does Jesus say to Peter? Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things of God. Isn't that amazing? Jesus knows exactly how to say what we need to hear. Sometimes it may be firm. Sometimes it may be very compassionate. And so there were times Jesus had to rebuke his disciples. When James and John say to Jesus, Lord, shall we call down fire from heaven and consume them as Elijah did? Jesus says, you know not manner of spirit ye are. No, he rebukes them, the Bible says. Um, He says, I haven't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Jesus said in Revelation 3.19, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. It's okay if the Lord has to rebuke us for our hard-headedness. Because it only means He loves us enough to keep working with us. Amen? Some see Jesus' response to Philip in our text as a rebuke. The fact is, we really don't know the tone in which it was said. But I can certainly see where Jesus was probably being more stern with Philip here. But I can also see where Jesus may have said it very patiently. Whatever the case, Jesus knew best how to say what needed to be said. And no matter what, wouldn't you agree with me this morning that Jesus is far more patient with us than we deserve? Amen. Here's my point in all of this. I am going somewhere before this is over. Jesus, in having this conversation in the upper room, He he doesn't just hear these words and then go, forget it. And he storms out the door to go get another 11 disciples. (laughs) He doesn't just give up is what I'm trying to say. Peter, you're going to deny me three times, but there will come a day when you'll follow through and you will stand for me, even unto death. But let not your heart be troubled. I'm praying for you, Peter. Peter needed to hear that because Peter goes from very high to very low. And Peter needed to hear from Jesus, let not your heart be troubled. Thomas, you know more than you realize. Stop doubting it. Stop questioning it. Let not your heart be troubled. Because there will come a day when you're going to get it. You're going to understand. You're going to One day you're going to stand and you're going to profess me to be your Lord and your God. Philip, you've got to see with the eye of faith and not the mind of logic. And Philip, if you want to use that argument, then would you at least believe me for the work's sake? Will you at least believe me for what you do see? See how patient God is? Let not your heart be troubled. It will make sense in time. And so many are like these three men. As I got to thinking about their personalities and how they're responding, like Peter, some of you have zeal, but let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Like Peter, you can talk a big game, but you haven't really learned yet who you are in the flesh. Like Thomas, some of you have the knowledge but you just lack the confidence to settle it in your heart. And that's a great many who have been raised in churches like ours. You know the right answers. You know the right verses. But you start to doubt the authenticity of it all. And you never really go forward and grow. Because you haven't yet settled it in your heart that this is the Word of God and that it is inspired and that it is right. It's truth. Like Philip, some of you want the writing to be on the wall. That'd be nice. Before you'll sell out for God, you want some undeniable miracle or sign. And you're telling God, Lord, if you'll just show me, I'll serve you all the days of my life. You can see the works of God in others' lives. You know you too can be used of God. But you're waiting on something because you have a lack of faith. Is this this coming home? I hope this is making sense. God wants your heart. And He's not giving up on you. Amen. Amen. He's still ministering to these men after three and a half years. And He's still going to be ministering to them after His resurrection. When they still don't get it. Mary Magdalene had seen the risen Lord and she went to tell Jesus' disciples and, and they had been in mourning and weeping. She comes and she tells them that He was alive and they didn't believe her. In Mark 16, 14, it says, Afterward, He, speaking of Jesus, appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen Him after He was risen. They still were having problems, and Jesus is still trying to teach them. And then, right before Jesus ascends, they turn to Jesus and say, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They still had the earthly kingdom on their mind. Jesus says, don't worry about all that. (laughs) Amen. Just go into all the world. He's still reaching them. He's still working with them. And it's amazing how patient the Lord is. Even after all of our years of struggle, all of our shortcomings, after all of our lack of understanding, Jesus is still there with open arms to work with us and to try to teach us. I don't know if anybody else is glad about it, but I'm glad the Lord never gave up on me. I sure am. I can't tell you how often I feel. I have no business being up here. But God didn't give up on me. And I still fail. I still make mistakes. God hasn't cast me aside. God doesn't give up on us. Is there someone here that you once faithfully ministered to somebody? somebody you were once patient with, that now you are somehow frustrated because of their slow understanding. And we have to guard ourselves against giving up on others because we get frustrated. And we can get in the flesh. And we can grow tired of investing years into somebody's life because we get burned. We invest and we invest and then one day comes, I don't want to be in the church anymore. And, and we have to be careful. We have to guard ourselves. We can't give up. There are pastors who have grown frustrated with the slow understanding of their congregation and they left for what they thought would be greener pastors just to find out. Issues exist everywhere. There's no perfect con- congregations There's no perfect pastors. Amen. There's no perfect situations. Somebody once said, boy, ministry sure would be fine if it wasn't for the people. (laughs) Can I tell you, problems are always going to come up. New problems will always move in. Problems will always move out. Everything's always fluid. Some people will get it, others won't. But we need to stay with it is what I'm trying to tell you this morning. We've got to stay with it. Jesus just keeps ministering to His disciples. Even after three and a half years when they still don't understand it all, He didn't give up on them. He stayed faithful to minister to them to the very end. We have to be careful because it's so easy to resign when after three and a half years, we've had to answer the same questions over and over and over Sometimes we get tempted to throw in the towel and give up on someone. But we always have to remember the patience in which Jesus Christ has dealt with us. Longevity is often the key to ministerial success. We have to dig in our heels. We have to stay planted. We have to stay with it. The greatest pastors I've ever known are those who have stayed. Amen. The greatest congregations I've ever seen have a long-term core of servants. The greatest servants are those who will serve God for a lifetime. I've never seen church hoppers grow exponentially or serve appropriately because sometimes when people, we saw this a lot back in, in the South, and people bounce around, and really their motive was they're just trying to find a place where they can get in control. Right? And so their motives aren't even right in how they're serving. They're just trying to take over the place. Hey, Amen. That's another issue. Those who bounce around every two years remain these surface-based Christians with no depth. And on that note, I've never seen churches that call pastors every two years ever gain any traction. I'm trying to encourage you today to just stay with it. Maybe there's someone here, you've grown tired in ministry. Don't give up. Don't give up on whoever the Lord has put into your life for you to minister to and to reach for Christ. You may have to keep answering the same questions over and over again, but stay with it. Don't give up. They may not get it, and you may feel like it's not connecting, but stay with it. It may look like they're not paying attention in the teens. Stay with it. Stay with it. Keep answering the same questions. You go to work, and here comes the same person with the same concerns, and you never seem to get anywhere with them. Just keep at it. Keep plowing the field, keep planting the seed, keep watering it. Stay with it. For how long? For as long as God gives you opportunity, keep taking that window of opportunity. Keep walking through that door. Keep testifying. Keep witnessing. Keep ministering. Keep giving them the Word of God. The first time I was here, I was stationed with a man who was raised Catholic. I wouldn't label him as devout necessarily. And that's how most were that I came across. They knew it was their family's religion, but I mentioned that just to say his level of understanding was just whatever he had gotten growing up within the Catholic Church, and for some four years we were stationed together. He left before I did. I was here for nearly eight that time, or a little bit over maybe, and uh, I kept working with him for four years, and every opportunity God would give me, I would just keep over and over again, giving the Word of God, giving the Word of God, and repeating myself, repeating myself over and over. It, It seemed like nothing was getting through. But he was always kind to listen, so I was always willing to speak. He left here, and as is common in the military, I thought, well, I'll never see him again. Probably never hear from him. But then one day, after several more years had passed, I got a lengthy email, and he was giving me his testimony of how he came to know Christ as his Savior. And, And here's what jumped out at me that I want you to get this morning. He wrote in there this. Thank you for not giving up on me. Now, I thought all hope was lost, to be honest with you. I'd done all I can do and that I knew I could say. And, uh, you know, I'm not a smart man and I was just hoping, Lord, I hope I've said the right things. And, and when he left, I thought, well, that's it. Thank you for not giving up on me. And at the time he wrote that, this was the, the biggest thrill of all for me. He was in Alaska at a really good independent Baptist church. <laughs> Amen. You say, boy, you sound partial to an independent Baptist. Duh. I pastored one of the churches. Amen. I could give you other stories like that from the workplace, but how about your neighbors? We live next door to a couple on Black Elk Court over there when it used to be Centennial Housing, and now it's whatever it's called, Antelope Bridge. Long story short, I don't have time to get into all that, but they were saved and baptized here. And you know what's funny is how that started was, all I did was shovel their driveway one day when it snowed. And they came over and said, thank you for shoveling the driveway, blah, blah, blah. And I got to talk to them a little bit about Christ. And they'd come over to our garage cafe and we would hang out and cook out. And uh, we just kept, kept witnessing, stayed faithful. Anyway, they got saved, they got baptized here. And while I was stationed in Mississippi, before returning back here, I got an email from him saying, thank you for staying faithful. And now they're serving in Utah, last I heard, in a good Baptist church. You know, you may never get the letters. You may never get the emails. You may never get a phone call from those that you have crossed paths with through the years and you've witnessed to and you've planted seed and you've watered. But just keep ministering. Keep witnessing. Give it all you got with every opportunity that God gives you. And by the way, I want to tell you, it doesn't matter how often they fail. It doesn't matter how often they don't get it. How often they aren't receptive of the obvious answer and the obvious conclusions. Don't give up! Just stay faithful. And remember, this thing isn't about you. It's about Him. Keep ministering to co-workers. Keep ministering to neighbors and friends. If you're growing tired, take Take comfort. Your Lord knows exactly what you're going through. After all, He's still working with you. If there's someone you've given up on, then I want to ask you, would you go back to them? Keep witnessing, keep teaching, keep answering the same questions. It just takes time. It takes time. And, And honestly, we don't know when the light bulb is going to come on. We don't know when it's all going to make sense. We don't know when they're going to be ready to be harvested, if you will. We don't know. It may be years later that we are then blessed to hear that they've finally got it. We may never hear about it this side of heaven, but it doesn't change the fact that we need to stay faithful because he's worthy of the reward of his suffering. And I want to also encourage you this morning, some of you maybe never even witnessed to somebody. You need to get busy. Let the Lord lay a name on your heart and just go after it. Don't be ugly. Don't beat them over the head, you know. Nobody likes that. But as opportunity presents itself, man, you take that opportunity. And you give them the word of God and you witness to them and you talk about how great God is. I look at these three disciples and I think Jesus could have easily said, man, I'm getting three other disciples. You guys, you just ain't getting it. And I can tell you from this side now, it hurts when people do give up and you do invest. It does hurt, but we just stay with it. Stay with it. Let's pray.